The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, when I had heard that our new stained glass was going to be installed on Friday and Saturday of the six days of creation here on the west side of our church at Good Shepherd, I saw it fitting as a time as well to explain a bit the reason for some of the church architecture that we have in our Catholic churches and also connect it to our celebration today of the baptism of Jesus. For as you'll see, the baptism of Jesus was always seen as the beginning of a new creation, as God starting something new with Jesus' public ministry of preaching, healing, and miracles, which will lead up to his death and resurrection and giving us all new life forever in God's kingdom. So first, a bit about stained glass. Everything in our churches are here for a reason. It's just not nice decoration or we have a bare wall and so we should put something there and fill in the space. Everything has a purpose and a meaning and direction. Stained glass for centuries in our churches has a meaning of separating the sacred here in the worship space in the church from the secular out in the world. And it's not a statement that stuff out in the world is all bad. As we know in creation, in those beginning chapters of Genesis, God created the world good. He ends every day by saying, and he saw it was good. And when he created man and women, he said, it is very good because we are created in God's image and likeness. What the stained glass windows do is they remind us of our duty of living in this world as believers, as disciples of Jesus to take in as the stained glass windows allow the light to penetrate through and they act like a purifying filter, so to speak, from that which is coming out out in the world and coming into the church here. Because we know not everything out in the world is good. We see it each and every day. There's suffering, there's sin, there's things that we know are just not part of God's plan, that God didn't intend the world to be this way. Something went off kilter. And we know that it had happened in sin when Adam and Eve turned away from the Lord. And so our duty is always to purify, to bring about that which is good out in the world, in our workplaces, in our families, and in our communities, our circle of friends, and to reject, set aside that which is evil, that which is harmful and destructive, so that we can truly allow the light of Christ to penetrate not just into our church, but outside when we head out as well. The baptism of Jesus is seen as one of the celebrations of Epiphany. So the Epiphany is not just when the wise men, the Magi, arrived at the manger to bring those gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh to the Christ child. 
Every manifestation of Christ, every way that God revealed who he is in the person of Jesus is seen as an epiphany. So the baptism of Jesus as well is seen as an epiphany. That's why it falls in the Christmas season. As a way in which God taught us in the world who he is through his son, Jesus Christ, being baptized in the River Jordan. And the epiphany here is that he's showing that he's beginning something new. He wants to recreate the world and restore it back to its original goodness through his son and invites us to participate in that mission of redeeming the world, of being co-redeemers with Christ, bringing back things in our life according to God's plan because that's where we will find true peace. That's where we will find true joy. And so at the baptism, just like on the first day of creation, we see the spirit hovering over the waters. That's what happens in the second window there, day two. God's spirit hovers over the waters and separates the heavens and the sea. Let there be light on that first day, the hand of God, finger of God, bringing forth creative light and beginning of time, beginning of the universe. The baptism of Jesus, the spirit comes in bodily form like a dove hovering over the waters. So right there, people would be, oh boy, we know what this is about. This is a new creation. This is a new beginning for humanity along the way. And this is the first time in the New Testament where the voice of God the Father is being heard. We hear the voice of God the Father in the first chapters of Genesis when he says, let there be light and let us create mankind in our image and likeness. In the New Testament, the first time we hear God the Father speak, he only speaks on three occasions in the New Testament. The first is at the baptism of Jesus. The second will be at his transfiguration on Mount Tabor when Jesus' divinity is revealed again and Peter, James, and John are up on the mountain with him. And the third time in John chapter 12, before Jesus prepares for his passion, death, and resurrection. Here, the voice of God the Father says, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. This is what the people heard, what Jesus heard while he was praying, knowing that he was the beloved one of God, God himself, Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, come into our world. And this is important for us as well, because we need to hear that voice telling us the same. We need to know that we're beloved sons and daughters of God with whom he is well pleased. So we hear the voice of the Father, the presence of the Spirit, and the presence of the Son. We have a revelation, an epiphany of God as Trinity, one God and three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The church fathers, the early kind of teachers and bishops of the church in the first three centuries, four centuries or so, saw the baptism of Jesus as restoring creation to its original plan and goodness because God himself touched the waters in the River Jordan and so sanctified all the waters throughout the world, bringing them back to their original purpose and holiness. The presence of the Holy Spirit in the air sanctifies the air around us in the space and the atmosphere, once again showing the goodness of God's creation. Finally, what happens in Jesus' baptism visibly is made known to us so that we know that this happens invisibly in our own baptism. So what happens visibly in Jesus' baptism isn't just starting a sacrament for our faith and the door to the faith for all of us. It's also showing us what happens invisibly through the prayers and rituals of our own baptism, whether we were baptized as an adult or as a child. So when we were baptized, the heavens were opened heaven and earth comes together 
through the prayers that take place and the person presenting themselves for baptism. When we were baptized, we too heard the voice of God saying, you are my beloved son or you are my beloved daughter with whom I am well pleased. It's important for us to recall that powerful phrase from God because it untwists a way of thinking that we can all fall into so easily, that I have to succeed or I have to do good or I have to kind of perform well in order to be loved. We all can fall into that trap of thinking that unless I succeed, unless I perform to some standards, whether it's standards of the world, standards I set upon myself, or standards that other people have placed on me, and if I don't perform well, then therefore somehow I don't belong or I'm not loved the way I should. The baptism of Jesus reminds us in our own life to reject that, that that is twisted thinking that's not part of God's plan and creation. We are already loved by God before we do anything. Does he want us to succeed in life? Does he want us to do well and thrive? For sure. But when we don't, when we fail, when we go through illness, when we go through difficulties, this does not mean that God does not love us. This does not mean that somehow that we're being punished or something's going wrong in, the, in our life or in the world. It simply means that we need to hear that voice of God saying once again, you are my beloved child with whom I am already well pleased. And the Holy Spirit also comes upon us in a powerful way in baptism. This is what Pope Benedict says happens at Jesus' baptism. He loaded the burden of our guilt, of our shame, of our burdens in life, and has placed them on his shoulders. He bore it down into the depths of the River Jordan. His inaugural gesture is an anticipation of the cross. The River Jordan leads into the Dead Sea, the lowest point on the planet. It's 1,300 feet below sea level. Jesus went to the lowest place on the planet to show us in a visible way what he'll do invisibly on the cross. After he dies, he descends into the realm of the dead, into the realm of alienation with God, the separation of God, and frees us and throws open the gates of heaven to reconcile humanity with the Father to throw open that path of eternal life that was closed beforehand, before his death and resurrection. So we can throw upon his shoulders our worries, our sins, our troubles, our anxieties, and he'll carry them into the River Jordan. They'll be washed clean, the burden set aside, and raised up again, just like he would do on the third day. The initial creation that our windows, stained glass windows depict, and the recreation that we celebrate in the baptism of Jesus this Sunday is not an action just of the past. It's something God does each and every moment. When he began creation, said, let there be light, it's not like it finished then. It's something eternally that endures at all time, every moment. If God did not sustain us and always be recreating us each and every moment, poof, we'd disappear, right? We're held and sustained always in God's hand and through his love. The Catholic author G.K. Chesterton once said that God's like a little child in many ways. Just like a little child never gets tired when they learn something new or get a new toy to say, do it again, do this again, do it again. They never get tired of repetition, right? Only adults, we get tired of repetition. Children don't, it's amazement each and every day. And God too, in a similar way, each and every day says, Let's do this again. Let there be light.
Let's do this again. Let there be new life here on earth. Let's do this again, for it is good. Life is good, even amidst the difficulties we face, because it is blessed by the Lord, and he sustains us in that creative action.